0: Yo, you incredible humans. So we've got a really cool and very different guest today. We've got Ben Tuff with us and uh, he's here to share. So actually, Ben's made an amazing movie about swimming, about something that he's incredibly passionate about and something that has really made a huge difference to his life. And he has an incredible story of how swimming has helped him uh, recover from his history with alcohol and uh, I mean I'm not going to say much else I'll, I'll, I'll let Ben do the do the talking because he is uh, the expert in his story obviously and it was fascinating to have him on the show um, and yeah just just something really a little bit different um, and very inspiring and I'm going to make sure that I put all of the links to Ben's stuff um, in the show notes and ben is in the facebook group so when we do a post about this this coming week then you know if you want to talk to ben all you got to do is uh, is tag him and, and he'll be there as a real person type thing who can answer your questions and uh, and chat to you so um yeah team if you haven't caught it when this airs this will be the week hang on a minute this will be the week where my new project rebel spirituality comes out 10 minute podcast from me every week and uh, i'd love 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 to have you there so the link will be in the show notes um and you can go to rebel spirituality well www.rebelspirituality.com and you'll find all the stuff there as well all right team that is all i'm gonna say and without further ado i'll hand you over to me ben and ellie see you there
1: Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast. We've got a very special guest today, this wonderful Tuesday. So, you guys know how much I love the water, and this guy does yeah. too, but for a bit of a different reason. So, we have an incredible guest with an incredible story. We've got Ben Tuff with us today. Hello, Ben. Hey, Amen.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for being here. Ben's over in Vermont, which is a place I would love to go to. It sounds delightful. Um, yeah. And we're going to hear all about Ben's story today. So, uh, without further ado the dogs are snoring behind um get yourselves a cup of tea and settle in and ben it's over to you where where's a good place to start
2: well it it depends where you want to start do you want to we can start in in the beginning um i think that makes the most sense because you know for me i often look back at my time and i say where did this all start like and and why was it me and and I think in the beginning stages of recovery, I was like, oh, poor me, like, why me? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then I look back and I say, you know, I, I was born this way. And now that I have 11 years of sobriety and I have that retrospect, and each day I, I learn something new and, and something awesome about myself and about sobriety and i look back at myself so long ago and i see this anxiety filled child who didn't have the outlets or the tools to deal with that and you know i remember in second grade i my best friend his name was alex and he was diagnosed with bladder cancer and we were on the same soccer team. We were on the same baseball team. We did everything together and he had to have his bladder removed. They thought he was going to pass away from, from the disease. And he ended up battling back and, and he's, he's still doing well today. And and that's amazing. But there was something that kind of set me in motion about, or in my mind, I, I'd always been an, a, a highly anxious kid. You know, I'd be worried about if my mom was late arriving back from somewhere, I was convinced she was in a car accident or uh, if if we were flying somewhere, I was convinced we were all going to go down and in flames. And, you know, from the moment that Alex got sick, I convinced myself I had cancer. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, all the way through my college years, it was everything from brain cancer to lung cancer to every single malady, anything wrong with me, I would direct into my body and into my mind and say, oh, this is what's going to do me in. And it was probably, how old was I? I was about 15, I think. And my mom said, okay, enough is enough. That was our you know six trip to the emergency room you've seen all the specialists around okay there's nothing wrong with you if you have another problem then i'm going to take you to a psychiatrist and like sure enough like 3 weeks later i i convinced myself i had like mouth cancer or something and i i made her take, take me to a mouth specialist uh and she was true to her word and i i we were living in atlanta at the time and we went to the scariest she took me in, kind of pushed me in this room. And it was like your traditional psychiatrist, like thick glasses, probably like seventy three years old, smelled of peppermints. And he had like this Swedish accent. And he had like he was like, showing me those blot cards, like old school. Yeah,
1: and, and I was work. like,
2: oh my God, this is like the sketchiest dude <laughs> I have ever been around. I am never going to say anything again (laughs) about my maladies so what was then a just pervasive hypochondria then became something that I kept to myself which became even more dangerous and I didn't know at the time that I was taking the anxieties in my life and I was just creating these these maladies or these uh, ideas uh, about me and it was very quick that, uh, and I would have anxiety attacks um, all the time. I mean, breathing, heart palpitations, um, you you name it. And everyone just thought I was kind of a freak. And I, I tried my best. Although the one time I did find a little bit of respite was when I was playing soccer. And I played competitive soccer and I'd go to practice and I felt okay and I was doing something with purpose and I was halfway decent at it and I wanted to do well. And it wasn't until uh, I got into high school and about 11th grade that I made this choice to, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take part in in these weekend activities of, of partying and drinking. And to say that I found, an escape from all of that is a whole nother ball game. Like I was totally free during those times. And it was the only time that I had freedom from it all. And it was so much so that I remember like taking like two beers a day from my dad's fridge or from various parts around the house and, and kind of getting my stash ready for the weekend, just so I knew that I had it at hand and Mm -hmm. Um, and it was normal because all my, or normal for me, or what I thought was normal because all my friends were doing it. And, and we just kind of did it in small groups. And and then as, as we grew older and got into our senior year and I was 17, 18, it was totally normal and acceptable. And we were just getting ready for college. And, uh, at college, it was great because I, finally found a reason to escape from that whole idea on a daily basis pretty much and and didn't have to worry about it. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I, I would say, yeah, I, I binge drink like a lot of um, people did and and do uh, with parties and and in college it wasn't until about 14 years ago that it became a real problem. And at that point, you know, I was just kind of all over the place emotionally. And I would spend kind of like two weeks in in the dumps and then two weeks up high. And I found an excuse to drink with on both accounts and, I started by just kind of sneaking some 12 packs in the basement and, and having it down there so that like, if I went to change the laundry, which I never did anyway, like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, (laughs) Oh, this is going to get past my wife because I'm going to go change the laundry. Obviously I'm doing something sketchy down there. Um, But it was the, the idea of, of hiding this, from everyone else and, and maintaining this level of stability until it wasn't because I was so unstable and, and those 12 packs turned into 30 packs and, and piles of cans. And, and, and yeah, my, you know, I, I was caught, I got caught a couple of times and I was like, how do I not get caught anymore? And I was like, well, I'll just switch to vodka. And that was about 12 years ago. And once I switched to, to vodka, it was all over. Uh, I, I would go to the liquor store. I would have gotten cash back at the last time I went out. And I always had a $20 bill kind of tucked behind everything else. So no one knew it was there. I wouldn't have to use my credit card or anything. And I'd buy a, a pint of vodka. And then I'd buy two small like um, vitamin waters. And I'd sip them all the way down to the label and it was like perfect. And I'd fill them back up. I'd seal them shut and I'd put them in my backpack. And when once I got home, I would just drink that vitamin water. And I know that I, I've learned that we as humans can play tricks on ourselves. And I was, I think I had convinced myself that I was really drinking vitamin water. Like I I honestly didn't put two and two together. I I saw it more as a way of me having that. It it was like, as my doctor said afterwards, he's like, you were self-medicating yourself for, Mm -hmm. for your feelings. And, and that's how I kind of saw it. I was like, Oh, this is just my vitamin water. Like this is what's going to get me through this afternoon and tonight and, and until, until tomorrow. And uh, very quickly that went downhill, and I, all that time was kind of fuzzy for me, and and somehow I managed to keep it somewhat together. And I remember being really hungover one day, and I think it was a Saturday, and I said to my wife, I "Was like I'm having a panic attack. I have to go to the 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 uh, ER, and I have to figure out what the hell's wrong with me. Like there's something wrong with me." And I ended up at the ER. I'm in like the little triage in in the ER where like the holding pen, right? And it was 10, we got there at 1030 and then 1130 came around. And I said to the nurse, I said, aren't you going to like admit me? Like, What are we waiting for? And she looked at me, she said, we're waiting for your blood alcohol content to get below the legal limit so that we can admit you. Mm -hmm. And I was like uh like that sinking feeling and my wife was like what like what are you talking about like how is that possible we don't even really have alcohol in the house like how how can that be and you know she went made some phone calls and came back and she said you're going to get help um if you don't get help you're going to lose me you're going to lose your kids you're going to lose everything and i said i'm done yeah obviously i'm going to get help let's go let's do it i want to go i want to go now and um unfortunately we couldn't get to the the rehab center that i was going to go to until i detoxed so i detoxed at that hospital which was a good thing for me because it was definitely a different group of people detoxing in there and i got to see what life really is like when you come in i mean some of those some of the guys that were in with me were were coming in three or four times a month to detox and um and then i went straight down to silver hill hospital and spent five weeks down there and it was the best thing that happened to me and uh i tell everyone i remember going into rehab i'm like oh like rehab like like the mo- you, you got to be like a um, someone who's really into drugs and alcohol to go to rehab and my wife was like well that's what you are like you are really into drugs and alcohol uh, and and that's why you're going there to 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 find the the tools and you know after day 2 or day 3 there everyone hated me because i was so excited to be there oh. i was like that person <laughs> who was like just Over the top, like, this is awesome. (laughs) Like, let's go do this. Let's have a barbecue tonight. And it was there wasn't like any downtime, really. We were going to like four meetings a day uh, and then all the other classes and and stuff on top of it. But I was just so relieved to know that there were other people like me and who were kind of dealing with the same issues and that it was something you can get above. The piece that Drove me crazy were, were these speakers, and when you you have two speakers a day, at least sometimes three, and they're saying, you know, half of you aren't going to make it. Half of you, you know, you're not going to do this unless you take this seriously. you're, you're you, the, the chances of you making it through here this time, or I'm like, and I would I would be like, no way, I'm making it through here. Like, there's nothing getting my way, and. And, and now I know that that was probably the best message for me because it only made me to maybe want it more. Um, but I found out the second day in there that I had bipolar two disorder. And, you know, that was completely controlling my drinking and my ups and my downs. And I didn't really have the ability to stay in the middle like a normal human being. And and after I kind of learned that and I, I worked with my doctor, mm. it everything evened out and and I found some peace. Mm. And and it was a really powerful thing for me, for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, goodness me. Do you know what? I'd be that person in rehab as well. Like, let's go and yeah. have a barbecue. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Um, And I would also react the same way to the talks that that would only fire me up more um what you said about how the mind plays tricks on you, it's really interesting because i um i think so many people listen to this will relate to what you're saying in terms of like the experience of anxiety or depression uh we had a guest on a recurring guest on recently carl radkins and and her story the beginning part of her story is all about anxiety and i've got my own experience with anxiety and i you just you just have to find a way through somehow and for me that was bouncing from beta blockers to valium i used to um, travel around with my job and I was constantly on airplanes and i used to carry valium around with me to because of the the heart palpitations and what have you and i was terrified of well what happens if i don't have them what happens if i 'm without them and then of course alcohol is very handy because it's everywhere particularly when you're flying and it's acceptable at any point in the day because you're you know flying from country to country but you that that mind playing tricks on yourself is the the normalizing of it that you described with the well this is uh, my vitamin water this is this is the thing that's holding me together and it's it, it's so like I can see it now as so isolating when what you really need is is connection you need that opportunity that you had with going through rehab to see that um, other people might not be experiencing the exact same circumstances but in these human bodies we're all going to experience what you described or some some iteration of the you know the ebb and flow of human emotion and uh, we're just we're all just doing the best that we can and and this is why like I get it, it's so upsetting to me to see when uh, when people get further down the track than they need to uh, because it's it can be so destructive and so painful. And so what one of the reasons why um, we spend our time doing this podcast is because we want to um, not just normalize the conversation but it become more of a wellness conversation. Than, and, and, and this being about um, opening your life up as
2: opposed to uh, fixing a problem. Right, right. And, you know, I, I found that I never wanted my bipolar to be an excuse for my drinking because it isn't. Um You know, the way I treated my bipolar was with alcohol. And... Th- I do the same, or I did the same with with any kind of emotion that wasn't your just standard emotion, right? It, it was happiness. It was you know grieving. It was sadness. It was kind of uh, in in my attempts to find ties to my colleagues. Oftentimes, it was through through alcohol and. Uh, And and coming out of rehab, people are like, well, how was it kind of entering back into society? And I was like, it was like being a newborn person, like a newborn kid. And uh, I was quiet. I wasn't that outgoing self, you know, back in rehab, I was crazy. And I could still be because I was surrounded by like-minded people and people who knew me and, and understood me. But when I came out, suddenly I was the outsider. Mm-hmm. And all those people that I used to spend time partying with and using for uh, an excuse to drink with, they were now way outside my my circle. And mm-hmm. what I didn't realize is that I would have to start all over again and and try and build that uh, and and find those people who I trust. And the biggest revelation in sobriety that I've had, I would say, is that my friend group has gone from 40 people mm-hmm. to four, but it's the best thing ever because those four are there for me mm-hmm. for everything. And and if you watch the movie, you, you get to meet mm-hmm. them and and see them as a part of my journey. They would drop mm-hmm. anything, anytime for me. Uh, and they're, and and the interesting thing is they're not even in the in the program or or they're they're not sober. You know, they're definitely not huge partiers um, mm-hmm. like like my old friends used to be. Uh, but the relationships that I have with them are finally genuine, not mm-hmm. built upon this false premise of of who I think I am and who they think I am and who I think they are. Yeah, that's huge. I,
0: uh, I think just a couple of days ago, we recorded an episode all about finding friends and aligning with life and the, and the people in our life. Um, and uh, it's just such an important thing to talk about. And I think it's funny because we talk to some people and they'll say what well, you've, you said, Ben, you know, I've, I've gone from 40 friends to four and other people will say I I was shocked to see that once i like walked into this beautiful loving community of people that have been on the same journey that i have more friends like they'd been scaring themselves with with this like i don't think i'm ever going to have friends again kind of thing and it's mm-hmm. i guess we all have our own journey with that so it's just really lovely to hear that the i mean the power of connection is so huge and there's a lot of parallels with for me when i grew up as well and your story i um i had by the time i was 10 or 11 i had really debilitating adhd and i you know i really couldn't read there were certain things that were going on for me i had a lot of health anxiety as well and although i didn't get taken to the scary psychiatrist who stood there with his like stuff i had my own version of of kind of um holding it in which which was kind of being bullied and people pointing the finger at it and me kind of going shit 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 i know this isn't okay so i i buried it and that with adhd and I think but unbeknown to me, alcohol just became like the volume dial. It just turned down the noise in my head for a while. And I was just able to go, okay, I can be a teenager for a minute. So by the time, you know, I was very lucky. I had a lot of structure in my life. Parents who who tried their absolute best and, you know, they they did a pretty good job. I think, I hope. And uh, But by the, when I went to uni, everything fell apart for me because the structure came out my life and suddenly it was up to me to create that structure. And, uh, and I found that in, in drugs and alcohol. And so I kind of, um different but but parallels and i think it's really interesting to hear other people's journey through Mm. through anxiety as well but hey there's something i'd love to know because you're here to kind of talk about to talk about many things one of them is this Mm. amazing movie you've 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 made about your relationship with swimming and these incredible things you've been doing but when did that come in so what were you doing prior like what was going on for you kind of professionally work-wise and then when did swimming kind of come along and you know take us through some of that because it's super interesting
2: so from the the day I graduated from college, I became a junior boarding school uh, teacher. And, and so I went off and I found myself in the middle of Connecticut. My wife, then fiance, had two, no, just one more year left in school. And here I am and I have five fifth graders. So, you know, 11, 10 and 11 year olds living in the house with me and four ninth graders. uh, So, you know, probably 15 year olds. And I was in charge of them. And like, I was such a shit show. I couldn't even figure out myself. And I'm supposed to like, make sure these kids are bathing and are like doing their homework or calling their parents and like not fighting with each other. I was totally lost, but I also found that unlike with adults, I could connect with kids with no pretense. It was just a hundred percent genuine. Yes, I do also have their same sense of humor and I can kind of go down to their level a little bit, but it's a hundred percent true and it's a hundred percent connection. I love it. And and so I ended up teaching at junior boarding schools uh, for 21 years, and wow. um, half of it I was a drinker, and half of it I was, and half I was a, a sober. So, 11 years ago, while I was at Silver Hill, we were told uh, that morning before we headed to the AA morning AA meeting in town that we had to come back with a sponsor, and I was like, "What? Like." there are a hundred dudes in this meeting in this church and I have to come back. How am I going to choose one? Like I felt, felt like I was going to speed dating or something and (laughs) with no background whatsoever. And then I finally heard this guy, his name is Ken and he got up and and spoke about, he had an Irish accent and I'm like, okay, this guy's cool. I could definitely listen to his accent. And, uh, he was a marathon runner from from Ireland and he came over to the US to pursue his interest in becoming one of the top marathoners in in the world and ended up hurting himself but he learned that he was really good at the sport of triathlon and so after that meeting i was like okay ken like i don't know how to swim i can do the other two things like, what do you think are the chances that I could learn how to swim and do triathlon? And he was like, well, easy. Like if I can do it, you definitely can. And you have the build. Um, I was 165 pounds at the time. I'm now 215. So (laughs) I've uh, filled out a little bit and and that's how unhealthy I was. I was, I was poisoning myself with, with the alcohol I was putting in my body. Uh, So he became my sponsor and uh he and i still talk weekly and and that's what is it 11 years later we meet up and go for swims and and he's doing crazy ironman st- ironman competitions and um the the funny thing is is that i i didn't really know how to swim and i would do like one length and then i do one length back and then i do one length And I'd be done after like eight. And and then after like two months of going every day, I was finally able to swim a half mile straight. And I started doing triathlons. And uh, Ken taught me a great trick in that as soon as you want to do something, just go for it and sign up for it. Like Mm -hmm. in life, Mm -hmm. and everything, in sport. So at the beginning of the summer, before I knew how to swim, I signed up for three triathlons at the end of the summer saying, I got to get to this point. And if I have to just kind of tread water, go on my back, I'll do it. But I ended up doing pretty well and did triathlon for about seven years. But for me, you know, I I wanted to do the sport of triathlon because it was an outlet for me in, in my mind. But it became something different because I became so involved in the sport and so competitive that it was getting in the way of everything like i would be really angry if i didn't like win a race in my age group or or didn't perform to 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 my liking and i i said this isn't what it's all about um you know i will add you know my wife always adds the point that you have to remember that you stopped doing triathlon after I started beating you in triathlon, which is also true. Okay. (laughs) So that then became, I said, okay, you could do triathlon, but I love swimming and I'd learned that I could just disappear when I swam and I could connect with God and I could process my ideas and I could do anything that I wanted to do. And there was never a time that I came out of a swim feeling worse than I went into it. Mm. And I often tell people early in sobriety who are trying new activities or getting more active, like, I guarantee you that you'll never come out of an activity feeling worse than you went in. Just remember that every single time. And um, and then I... I said, you know, if I can do this, I'm going to start kind of ratcheting up a little bit because that's my personality. I want to go big or go home. And I'd swam around Key West, which was 12 and a half miles. It's a 20K race. Um, And it was tons of fun. It was laid back. No one cared who won. No one cared about anything. And uh, it was just a great excuse for me to take my daughter down there and have my twin brother kayak around the the island with me and then I started to do some of the more aggressive swims uh, in in the New England area
1: and so then that leads us up to the movie so tell us about the
2: movie yeah so a year and a half ago, I got a weird phone call. I was driving across the the Everglades, which I, for anyone who's been across the Everglades, it is the most monotonous, like the only thing I'm looking for is alligators and pounding them because I think it's kind of fun. Uh, and I think actually a lot of kids do that on, on the way or their parents tell them that. So I was kind of going across Florida and um, I got a phone call from, from Matt. And surprisingly, the cell service is quite good in the Everglades. And we started talking and he said, listen, I, I met your twin brother. I have an identical twin brother, um, which is kind of unique uh, to, to my story as well, uh, who's also in recovery. And and he uh, got sober six years ago, I think. And um he was like, your story is awesome. Like you're these crazy swims that you've done and you've raised so much money for this environmental group, clean ocean access. Like, I I think that this is worthy of, of a, of a movie. And I said, Oh, okay. Like I think that'd be kind of boring a movie about me, but he was like, okay, if you can keep that mentality, then this is going to be the Best movie ever made. Um, because that's what documentary is all about. You can't have ego. And I said, Well, let me just tell you how I got here. And I told him my whole story. And you know, an hour and a half after our conversation, he said, Okay, I went in thinking this movie was about one thing, but this movie is about something totally different. This movie is mm-hmm. all about recovery. Mm-hmm. And you can inspire so many people to to find this in their lives um, or to embrace it in their lives. And, and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to hang up right now, and I will book tickets up to Vermont in six weeks' time, and we'll spend a week, and I'll just follow you around, go to the pool, get to know you, get some B-roll, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. And, and so he knew at the time that I was going to be doing this 24 mile swim from, from Providence, Providence, Rhode Island down to Jamestown, which is basically Newport. And it's all of Narragansett Bay. And and no one had ever done that before because, well, I know now why, because it's awful, um, <laughs> but awesome. it, it, it it is doable for sure. And, Uh, And we ended up spending another week together there and then another week together um, about two months after um, the event. And it was amazing.
0: Yeah. And well, look, not only is the event incredible, but the film is the cinematography and everything in it is shot so well. It, it really inspired me when I watched it. I thought to myself, "This is amazing." And I and I did go and have a look at Matt and like what 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 he's up to and stuff because it was, it was it was it was brilliant. And I know that you're uh, currently in the in the process of like, sending it out to people and getting it into some film festivals and stuff like that. So, what was? Yeah, you know, what's the thing that you would most love people to take from that film when they watch it? Like, what what would you want them to be left
2: with? So. Number one is to have the ability to do the impossible. I couldn't swim 11 years ago, and now I'm swimming 24 miles. I'm not built for it. I have a torn labrum in my in my left uh, shoulder. Uh, I'm not a great swimmer. Like I'm a good swimmer, but like if you look at my form and everything, I'm not a great swimmer. But I don't really care because it's all about what you are trying to get out of out of what goals you create for yourself. Um, In order to get through these goals, I have to have accountability. And in order to get through my daily life, I have to have accountability. And they both mirror each other and complement each other. And that's why I raise money for something I believe in, like clean ocean access, because I know when I'm out there in the water, I have 450, 460 people who have given thousands of dollars or $5 to this cause that I am swimming for. And the third thing is support network. Like our support network is more important than anything, period. And unless we build a really solid support system, we will never have those people who we know that we can depend on at any time, at any moment at the just call of our, you know, just one call away. So like with, with the guys in uh, with, with David and and Jake um, who are in the film, David is, is my coach and, and Jake is my paddleboarder who equally is amazing paddleboards, 24 miles next to me, giving me food and all that. And uh, I said, "Okay, we're going to have a showing in Atlanta. Do you want to go?" They had their tickets booked within an hour, you know. And and they both have very busy lives, and 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 could be doing a lot of other things, but they're there for me as I would be there for them. Um, and I would say, you know, the last piece is <laughs> sobriety is not boring. Like I thought that I'd be so bored in sobriety. But now I've learned that I have it's actually people who are imbibing and drinking all the time. They're the bored ones because yeah. they're the ones who are trying to numb their feelings and 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 trying to, and I'm not judging here. I'm just saying it how I feel. Um, but you know, you, you're driven to drink for for a reason. And for those of us that remain sober, we just deal and we process and that creates such a unique outlook on life and creates an excitement that you really can't contain. Um, And instead of kind of in the beginning, I kind of held my head down like, Oh, I can't hang out with these guys. They're all drinking or like, I don't have any friends. Screw it. Like, (laughs) <laughs> who cares you can have your own fun and and do crazy crazy things cuz there's no way that i would be able to do anything that i'm doing right now if i was drinking
1: yeah 100% 100% it the, the emotional sobriety bit is it is so important um somebody asked me yesterday they'd heard on a a podcast somewhere somebody talking about sobriety being uh e- evening yourself out effectively so losing the highs and the lows and they said oh is that is that what happens so wh- when I'm a year down the down the line can I expect that and I said I'm not, like I think I'm gonna respectfully disagree with that because when you as you say when you choose this life um where you're you're not numbing you're opening yourself up to everything—the depth and breadth of human emotion—and it's going to flow, and it's, it's going to come at you. And you, you like a wave, you've got you've got to ride it. And the the wonderful thing is that life becomes so rich and so expansive, not just because of the what we would consider the the highs or the positive elements of it, but also those those deep lows. Uh, So within my personal life right now, I'm going through some really difficult stuff. And I've said many a time what you've said uh, just now around like that, there is no way I would have had the capacity to go through what I'm going through right now and to be with myself and to attend to myself. If I was drinking, it just, I I would not be able to do it. And so it's, it's so life giving, removing alcohol and, We coach a lot of people that are either sober curious or just taking a break for the first time. They have all of those fears around, I've never lived an alcohol-free life before. Like where are all my friends going to go? Which is part of the reason we we recorded that episode. But you've just got no clue about what's ahead. And every year that goes on, it's like, wow, it's been kicked up another gear. And it just gets bigger and bigger. I love what you said about anything's possible because it really is. it's, it's, It's having that that will that desire that 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 itch that comes at you and you you can't ignore it anymore you know you start to listen to that voice so i i love i love your story it was as sam says it was a beautifully shot film and i'm i'm a massive yeah. fan of the water i can't there's nowhere i could swim that's sort of my I, i'm more jumping and float and um i, I really enjoy cold water um, so healing for me and for the nervous system when you said about going into the water and just disappearing I don't think you use the word disappear but you you have that for me there's just such a connection particularly in the ocean being grounded it's it, it's utterly wonderful so I'm I'm so thankful that you brought this birth this film into the world and uh are willing to share it with us all it's 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 truly wonderful you're going to inspire a lot of people for sure yeah.
0: So, dude, tell us the, like, what's happening for you now? You said you're just about to go and do some really cool shit about this and, you know, yeah. start sharing it with the world. So here's here's what we'd love to know is, like, what's that process like, both in terms of, like, kid in a candy store, like, you know, the excitement of all of that? And then what do you want our listeners listeners to know? Like, are, are there sort of things that people can go and look into to to check this stuff out? Take us through all of the cool stuff.
2: So, so I think that the coolest stuff now is – getting, I've been kind of doing the, the sober, uh, network of, you know, online stuff and, of podcasts and we all get it right. We, we, we all, or have a pretty good idea, I think, of what sobriety is about and, and, and what we've all gone through. But now that I'm getting into like your mainstream media, they have no idea. Yeah. They think it's like some kind of cult or something. Yeah. And um it it's 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 so much fun opening their eyes to number one, how crazy I am. Um, but in a positive way because I want to bring I, I want to make sobriety cool, yeah. right. And, and and I think a lot has been done over the last five years to make it cool. But it's still not cool with our kids. And, and my goal moving forward is to get into as many schools as possible, high schools and colleges, and to change the way they view sobriety and how they view addiction and understand addiction. Um, you know, I went down to University of Georgia and spoke at a, a fraternity down there. And they're, they were like, oh, my gosh, like you're a badass and you're doing all these crazy things and you're joking about like partying and stuff. Like, I think that automatically, especially students, you know, 15 to 23, they automatically think that people in sobriety are judges of what they're doing and are automatically thinking that they're horrible human beings and once they realize that I'm just talking about myself and my journey um, and teaching them how to recognize it either in themselves, the the, the patterns and, and the warning signs and themselves in their good friends or their family members, they're like, Holy cow, like this guy's awesome. Like, and I'm going to put it away. And after, after going to uh, UGA, I, I got, seven or eight emails from guys who are like, listen, I've got this friend, he's doing this, or I've got this, I'm my dad, he's acting like this. How do I do this? How do I suggest it? And I was like, this is amazing because when I go out, if I just change one person's mind, then it's worth the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so a lot of next year is going to bring that. And with the, and the showing of of the film at various um film festivals, which is which is good because there aren't, you know, there are sober festivals, but there aren't that many sober films in your regular festivals, like your Sundances and, and like your London and you know, some of the bigger uh films. So I'm hoping that I can change that a little bit. Mm-hmm. and um and and open that up and uh so next week, or actually on friday I'll, I'll fly down to atlanta where i grew up and i get to show the film on wednesday but prior to that i have a, a lot of um tv interviews and radio interviews and they're all with regular mainstream media and and it's going to be really fun Number one, to see how ignorant they are to this whole idea. And and number two, to just open some eyes and yeah. and and connect with people that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise. Um and uh and 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 so you know my goal is to just get this out there and you know eventually hopefully sell it to a, a Netflix or a Amazon or a Hulu so that more eyes can get on it. Like, I don't even care about money. I, I just want to get eyes on it and, uh, and and get people to embrace the incredible message that, you know, Matt and, and my editor, Jen has helped capture for me. You know, I, it was easy for me. All I did was swim and act like myself. You know, they had to do a hard part. Um, and, uh, if, if you want to learn more about where I'm going to be, I will be kind of following the, the film as, as the events hopefully pick them up and, uh, we'll be going in person to, to many of them. Um, my, my website is swimtuff, Um, and you can always follow me on, on my, uh, Instagram at ben.com tough T U F F. And, um, you know, I'm, I love, I love when people reach out to me. And, and so I have a section on my, on my website on the swim tough site where you can just kind of just put a little blurb in and, and ask a question. And I've had a few people uh, do that and, you know, that's what it's all about. And, and I think that that's what's made this journey so, awesome for me because i've been embraced by this community and the sober community is so so strong Uh, and i love it
0: yeah 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 you bet it's such an incredible thing to there's so many amazing people doing such incredible stuff as well and and you know i love i love what you said about sobriety being cool and badass and just this message of just do it And, you know, ultimately you set that impossible goal and it becomes impossible, which, which becomes possible, you know, and then it's a miracle. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, that's cool. So, Hey, I mean, like super inspiring, dude. Thanks so much for coming and sharing it will be sure to put the website in the, um, in the in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, just to echo how amazing the film was. So just encourage anybody to catch it in person would be amazing or whenever it is that it makes it to a to a streaming platform. Um, I have no doubt that it will get there. So uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add, Ellie? It was, uh, oh, oh, we've got a friend here as well. Is that,
1: is that another doggy? Yeah, love it. <laughs> What's the dog's name?
2: I have Goose and Twiglet.
1: Oh, awesome nice. oh well big um big love to goose and twiglet yeah. and all of the crew the film crew um oh goodness me I, I i love what you said earlier about um it's worth it if you just inspire one person if you just sow seed with one person and this has got far-reaching consequences so thank you for thank you for being here thank you for everything that you um you're doing in this space it's it's really really incredible um and good luck with the film can't wait to see what happens next Eek.
2: i know it's so uh lots of fun and who knows what's next and and i really appreciate you all uh, having me on
1: yes so it's well. been wonderful real pleasure yes. thank you ben
0: wasn't that cool chat and uh what an inspiring story and what a lovely guy and um yeah There you go. That's it. That's all I've got to say. We'll see you in the Facebook group. Please go and leave us a review. Go and let people know how, uh, how, if there was anything you're impacted by this episode or any other episode, we're kind of powered by reviews to a large extent. It's uh, such a wonderful thing that keeps us going and helps people find us. So we always appreciate just the minute or two that it takes to leave us a review wherever you happen to listen. All right. You have an amazing day. We'll see you soon team.